0: Welcome to the Startup Microdose Podcast with me, Oliver Jones, and my ABLE co-host, Ed Stevens. This conversation is with Peter Briffitt. Peter is a serially successful entrepreneur with a number of exits under his belt. His most notable was to Microsoft in 2006. That business then went on to become the most successful post-acquisition product in Microsoft history, earning Peter a congratulatory email from Bill Gates. He was also head of Living Social in the UK when it and Groupon were the fastest-growing companies in the world. His latest project is WageStream, where his mission is to make payroll streamable and so put an end to payday poverty cycles while boosting employee motivation and retention. Peter is a Guinness World Record holder and a lively and entertaining character. So please enjoy Peter Briffett.
1: We are joined today by Peter briffett who is the founder of WageStream. Peter, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. On this miserable, miserable day. It's
2: a beautiful day of snow.
1: Yeah, London at its finest. You've had quite an entrepreneurial background, so we, we do want to cover a lot of distance before we get to Wades Room because I think there's some really great stories to unpack all, from All that. my failures. <laughs> well, it says here you've got a Guinness World Record, so that, we definitely want to dig I into that. I don't want to talk
2: about that at all, but since you brought it up, okay. we've got half an hour okay. to discuss it.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, we thought we could start roughly about the time you, you were sort of founding Ivy Media and selling that to Microsoft and then maybe go on from there and then maybe give a did good portion to the Guinness World Record if you so choose. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, absolutely. We, we we must discuss the Guinness World Record. No, so no I've been in I've always been sort of in high growth startups. I guess one of my first successful ventures was iView, which was basically a it's like a a visual database, so you could throw any sort of file format in there. So this is in the days of sort of Flickr, when visual databases or photography tools were were cool and hip and actually people wanted to use them. Um, and we yeah we ended up selling that to Microsoft as part of their expression suite of products and relocate the whole team over to Redmond. Um, I I'd never gone through a sort of acquisition before, or sort of a sale before. So, and it was a very small company, it's only about 35 people. So it's like me against 15 Microsoft lawyers, but it was a great learning experience. <laughs> um, I don't know if I won in the end, I don't know what happened, but um, either way, we actually ended up, you know, getting, over, getting everyone over to Redmond. They did a great job of um, relocating everyone. And then we went on, I ended up working for Microsoft for about eighteen months, um, and we yeah we we ended up having about the the best post acquisition metrics in Microsoft history to the point where Bill Gates even emailed and said wow this is great Bill emailed um, you yeah yeah because he wow. couldn't believe because normally once you acquire a company. Revenue goes down, yeah. people are disengaged, and it's a horrible mess, and everyone regrets ever buying anything. Um, but we actually, we we weren't allowed to, but we we put the Microsoft brand on our box, because we were selling this photography sort of tool into retail. Um, and they sort of said, no, no, you can't do that. It's gonna take, you know, at least six months just to go through security checks, and was sort of a brand Bible, a mile high. So they sort of flew in and said, no, you can't do that. So then they flew away, and then we, we put it on there anyway. And sales just went through the roof, like, mm. because obviously you've got Microsoft endorsement. I probably shouldn't say this on air, but um, thanks, Microsoft, it was good. And we a lot of people it's a great product a lot of people were happy no one died um, but at the end of the day it was uh, it was a, yeah it was a really really strong move that enabled us to sort of
1: 10x our revenue overnight um, Well, and perhaps you were acting in the interest of shareholders I think
2: that's exactly what I was doing come to think of it that yeah <laughs> that's correct
1: um, and w- what happened after that
2: period of then working with Microsoft so then yeah I mean it was just uh, you know I, I realized one thing that I've I've sort of taken to heart for the rest of my life that you know I mean, Microsoft's full of very intelligent people. Um, they'd have never let me in normally. I'd never got recruited there normally through their normal protocol. i would just been thrown out, probably the recruitment process. But these very intelligent people just can't do anything. They're just the just to you know you can make a decision, but to see that in a product or in a, in a service or or whatever else is it just takes years and years of time. So I just, for me personally, I'd much. I just can't handle the the lack of you know. Movement in in a big corporate that just doesn't enable you to move fast and break things and stuff like that. So it's just it just made me realise in life that actually a, a startup or a new company should never be scared of the. The big companies because they just will never move it's like a big ship as opposed to a little speedboat. they're never going to move as fast as you so albeit when they do something it takes it just takes years and years of time so i think it's it's just a good lesson to not worry about that type of thing even though you know you can get crushed if you're a startup worrying about big companies doing something shouldn't be something you worry about
0: and they're there to buy you at the end of it
2: (laughs) (laughs) they may be there to buy you if you do something nice
0: yeah
1: Um, because microsoft went through a bit of a a dull patch they seem to be on the up now again as soon
2: as i left revenue started coming in again so it's fine okay <laughs> um no no they've they, they they i mean it's a great company they just they've got such a strong foundation
1: base but their legacy is terrible i mean in all the products they still roll out um it, it's it's still rectangular boxes and just, just dated ux um but as you say i think it's easy to to moan about these things but they've probably got users who are so familiar with with the way that they do things
2: yeah i know exactly i don't think anyone's planning to get funding for a new excel product i think they're just they're so ingrained in people's workday that they can still they can afford a lot of failures and they'll still be there but ultimately yeah it's it's, it's i mean a whole new set of principles to try and innovate at a company that size it's tough but they seem to be doing that now
1: and then you were you were on to your next challenge
2: Yes. Then after that, I um, you know I, I got involved with another company that was it was actually I guess it was the before the fintech firm this sort of was, was, was phrase was even coined really, but um, that was a fixed income product. We ended up selling to Thomson Reuters. Um, so I ended up um, working for Thomson Reuters for a sort of similar period afterwards. But it, thank God we, we sold it literally just before. Um, about a month before Lehman's collapse, so i will never forget. I was sitting in Canary Wharf. Huh. We, you know, we, we just sold our company and uh, just watching everyone come out the building. We were like, "Thank God, we timing's everything in this game." Because I don't, you know, the whole financial collapse happened about four weeks after we sold. So was, was... You're
1: the only person I know who's got a good story <laughs> about at that time. <laughs> I, well, I know somebody who, who benefited. i <laughs> one of my brother's friends started working there for about three months and then lost his job. But I don't know anybody who who got. Out yeah, of well, I was ball. just
2: I just watched him going. We were just sitting there going, "Well, that was a lucky escape." Um, but yeah, that was. But it also made me realise, you know, sitting in a bank for the rest of my life is probably it's not something I'm going to be too keen on either. And then I I got an opportunity to found sort of living that
1: I found is the wrong word, but um start living social over here. Um, C- yeah, can I ask you about that? Because I came across Aaron Battalion once. He's a great guy. He's a yeah, legend. amazing. He's, a legend, He's such a yeah. nice guy, um, and he was. Was he founder of Living Social? I...
2: No, he was absolutely the. He was one of the founders. There's four guys. He was one of them. Um, he was more like on the tech side. Uh, he was a great guy. I Aaron, mean, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's. I still follow him on um, Twitter and uh, LinkedIn. He's a good guy.
1: Really yeah. funny. Really bright. Yeah. yeah, no, he's smart as hell. Um, um, but you kicked it off.
2: Yeah, so I started yeah. over here. So I got in, so basically, I got a call from an investor. A if a firm called GrowTech in the US, and they they rang me up and said, look. They just before I'd heard anything about group buying or, or, or Living Social or even Groupon at the time, they said, Look, something's going on over here. You've got to come and check it out. It's amazing. So I went over there to DC, uh, met Tim, who, who was one of the CEO and founder, one of the founding team. And the metrics were just great. Like they were just, they, they knew they were onto something. And Steve Case um, had just put money in from Revolution. He was like, Look, the this CX AOL founder. He had just he just said, look, these things come along once in a generation. Put your foot down and put it down hard. This is like you just, you just got to execute, execute, execute. Um, so they just were like, it was just a land grab. So um, they said, look, be our first international employee. So I flew back over here, started at you know living social up um, in a little basement in. Uh, Oxford Circus. I was sort of in the shared office next to a load of guys selling iron ore and tin into China. So mm. I was trying to talk to London Zoo under the desk and do a deal on, on a discount. But yeah, got the first deals going, then grew that. And that, that went to like 350 people, 100000000 PNL now in, in about 18 month period. So it was- 18 yeah, months. So it was a crazy, crazy growth. Ooh. Like it was one of those, you know, you spend $1 and $5 comes back, so what are you gonna do? You're gonna spend a lot more dollars and a lot more money comes back. No one worried about retention in those days or, or whatever else, uh, it was just like, the consumers were just, the conversion was crazy, that Groupon and ourselves were getting to the point where you know we're the fastest growing companies on our, on earth for that 2010 to 2012 period. Um, and it was just, you know, we defined by the quality of your content, so you had to go and get a deal that made sense. So I know all sorts of nuances about you know, six leg waxes as opposed to one at this price at that location <laughs> is going to get you. 30 more grand than a leg right so all this sort of nonsense that you shouldn't really know um but i ended up knowing you know so we we it was very analytical business you you could get down to a burger at that price in that location is gonna oh. make you forty thousand more pounds than in that you know that type of thing
1: where where are those businesses today because um flatlining, they're flatlining. i mean
2: there's still like groupon's still a big beast um and it, it's it's still a business and it's Profitable with with a low margin. But The issue with all those businesses, I mean, after they went through the healy growth stage, was retention. Mm. Like, if I've given you five restaurant vouchers and I send you a sixth one via email, and you haven't used the other five, it's like, well, is that something you're going to you know you're going to want to do? Um, whereas in the early days, you could, everyone was just buying. You know, it's just crazy that that you know people had never seen this type of pricing before, um, and therefore you know the, the conversion was great. But over time. The retention of users was was the big issue with, and still is the issue with those businesses. Like user acquisition was, no one had ever seen anything like it. But retention was the problem. So I, I mean, that learning a lot of lessons around that stuff is quite interesting as well. Because at the end of the day, any business has to be able to acquire and retain; otherwise, you haven't got a business. How do you employ that
1: many? people that quickly and, oh, and do be- you even optimise for talent or <laughs> no. do you just need people no, no, to No, no, we, we, we,
2: we, we, so someone came up and this is part of, um in fact, probably, I remember speaking to Aaron, probably one of the initiates of this was this, we had this concept of super session. So in order to hu- in order to get this type of content, which is these great deals, you had to have people on the ground. There's no way you could phone up a restaurant um, owner and then do this. It, you really had to be face to face. That's what, at least, was our model. So we had this concept of super session. So we'd get like, a hundred um it, it candidates into a hotel. I'd get. I'd, I'd. say to the instead of people constantly being interviewed throughout weeks and months, we'd say to the manager, management team, right. Everyone needs to be here on this Tuesday, mm. and you'd get a hundred applicants in, and then they'd go through like a, two or three interviews in the morning. You had like an X factor cut off at twelve, and then you you'd, you know half of them left. Then you go through some other sort of interviews in the afternoon, uh, but at the end of the day, with 100 candidates, you could hire like 15 people, for instance.
0: The ones with the best sub
2: The one with the best sub stories, the ones with <laughs> the best salespeople, and they'd gone through this high, highly intense process, but it was so, time efficient because if you're hiring that many people quickly the issue you've got is all your managers become tied up people just become recruiters mm. essentially mm. and when they're supposed to be actually executing on the on the business they're actually just hiring people the whole time so if you can do it in a very in a, in a time sensitive you know in, in one day but make it work then you end up so if you do two super sessions a month you're hiring 30 people a month type thing so that's how we did it and it was quite a you know it's, it was it was quite mythology behind it but it actually meant that it was very efficient. Um, so that's how we did it and
0: when you brought them on that quickly presumably there was a sort of a rote learning process or formula that they. would Oh just...
2: yeah, so when they, so when yeah, you know, then we had an induction process, and you know, they had training, and then they were released onto the, mm. the market to go get great deals. Um, <laughs> Stratton with this, with Oakmont. This. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although we, no, that, we were we, we were incredibly fair <laughs> about that, but um, no, it's it was uh, and then you know you you were very you were monitoring all activity through Salesforce and meetings to conversion, and the team back in London were deal quality team were assessing all the quality of the deal, so you had yeah. It was quite quite intense.
1: What an experience! Yeah,
2: it was good fun, um, and even actually, because I recruited probably in that period of time, I probably recruited about six hundred and fifty salespeople overall. Because obviously, they don't all stick around. But for weight, it's good because for wage stream, I've, the, the, the five I liked have now working for wage stream, which is good news. <laughs> God, it really
1: is like Simon Cowell, isn't it? The Fame Factory. <laughs> um, what do you think makes um, those five better than the rest? Oh, I think they've well, they've all gone on to get enterprise experience. I mean, we're
2: selling into corporates now. It's a different model than convincing a you know McDonald's to do a half-price Big Mac. Okay. Um, but it, so, the, but but it's tenacity and hard work is the rule of sales. If you you know, obviously your personality helps and getting in the door, but if you are hardworking and persistent, you're gonna. That's sixty percent of the characters you want in a. Salesperson, because that ultimately sales isn't easy, and you just can't give up. You've got to, mm. you've got to keep figuring out and being creative, and but essentially, you know, being very resilient in terms of of, of how you actually get through a day to get to get to, to get to people.
1: Amazing, and then and then your story continues after this. It doesn't stop there. Before wage yeah. What
2: did I do after? That? So after that, I went on to join Y Plan. Yep. Because they were so, why plan was no, it was an entertainment app in the day. You know, what Living Social and Groupon had just not understood mobile at all. It was very web-based, email-driven marketing platform. Um, and it was just the emerging days. Of the, it was the first apps were emerging, and Y plan. Just when I first looked at, it, I thought, Wow, these guys are like years ahead of everyone else. The the interface, the UI, the whole concept just massively appealed to me. Um, it's it. Essentially, we were serving up entertainment content. So, what are you doing tonight? Type thing. Turn on the app, and then you could pick something to do. Ticket was issued through app. You go there and you do that. Um, but I guess. The story that the end story behind that was great model great business but very it taught me a lot about mobile product and apps bit as in unless you can give someone satisfaction in literally three seconds you're out of business with apps mm-hmm. you know uber does that very effectively turn on app i want a taxi if i can't you know they know they knew from the beginning if they couldn't get you a taxi within four minutes the difference between being able to do that and not was a 50x difference in revenue in towns where they could get your taxi in four minutes and not so even now when you go on uber you'll note this that every taxi is always four minutes and then maybe it goes up to eight minutes right but they know if they say if they say it's eight minutes when you go on there and then you know, they yell you at the your driver. Well, you're off You'll go. You'll go to my attack. You'll go to some other service, yeah. or you'll go and get Santander bike, where we can talk about that another time. <laughs> I, I still owe TfL six hundred quid for the ones I lost yesterday. But um, <laughs> the, the, but the, but that that utility function in an app is so important. You get it with you know Spotify. You know if they can't deliver that song for you in like I think it's one point three seconds, or whatever they struck. Wow. The, so they look at these types of metrics. So the deliverable behind the product needs to be give give people satisfaction for whatever reason. Humans lose all patience when they on their mobile phones. So I I will never do another app that isn't hasn't got utility function in there. Because if you're not yeah, because if you're not on the te- the twelve apps on their home screen, you're out of business. You just can't you know your, your product will never and you're only on there because you have a function that people use daily. Like a tooth, we always say toothbrush your toothbrush app. But do do people use you twice daily? Because if they do, like a
1: train line, like a city mapper, then you are you know you're in business. You're, you're right. We had a we raised money for a company that was doing what um, Uber did, loosely speaking. They had a different a different model on it, but they they couldn't ensure the supply. Um, and I guess that's where Uber's probably really got their their surge pricing right to make sure that supply ends up in the the right places to ensure the four minutes are, are catered
0: for. for. Presumably, yeah, they had a problem really early when there just weren't enough drivers to make that. So I guess like the competition at that point in time was was mini cabs and black which cabs are and, everywhere
2: yeah so mm. they, they'd put smart people in a town and say okay you're running chicago get as you need to get as many drivers as possible so that that we can get cabs to people in four minutes because if you can't do that we're out of business yeah so the recruitment process and the same with deliveroo um you know that is that's is the whole a lot of the part of their business is based around how effectively they can recruit and retain to an order there because if their supply
1: fails the the whole model fails mm. essentially mm. it's but, very high pressure because I remember yeah. I went to um, uh, Miami and Lyft were there, but they were giving away rides so cheaply to compete with Uber that they must have just been blowing marketing spend yeah. completely. Yeah, but it's just a user acquisition they put it
2: down to, so it doesn't yeah. appear, it's, it's something else on their balance sheet. But so Uber, the only company that we know of, the only corporate that's actually put in a flexible, they built their own flexible pay model because they realised if they can't pay drivers at the end of a day, they're going to lose drivers so they now and make sure that the payment they have is, is a daily payment for drivers and it's it's something delivery is also looking at because if you you know if i'm a rider and i come out of a lecture at lse or whatever and i want to do a couple of rides for delivery i don't want to be paid in three days for that i want to go out tonight so i may want to mm-hmm. i want to get paid tonight so creating that link between work and financial reward the the tighter that link the more motivation there is for someone doing more drives or more rides or whatever else i mean in this weather route everyone stays in and wants a burger, but the riders don't want to ride in this weather. So how do you supply and demand? It's a fundamental... How do they do that? They Well, exactly. I mean, they just have to encourage through payment or incentive to get more riders on the streets because no one wants to ride a bike at this point. And, and
0: you say that Uber have built that... They they've in built house. yeah they've
2: built they've built their own I mean they've got four thousand engineers so they can pretty much yeah. build anything but mm. they've built they've built um, their payment structures so that drivers are paid daily it's quite high cost as you, you can imagine to drive all day right from an insurance to a fuel to everything so they absolutely realised early on that actually creating a daily payment model would allow them to the drivers would benefit massively and they'd get more drivers they'd retain more drivers so absolutely they built their own mm. yeah yeah but there's I mean the technology that we like waste, which is the ability for anyone to access their earnings in real time it's not like, I'm not going to sit here and say it's 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 hugely complicated. Um, but, yeah, it's still something that you wouldn't get. Most corporates just wouldn't build it. Like, they wouldn't build their own HR system or their own payroll. They always yeah. outsource that type of service.
0: Well, let's
1: talk about Wage Stream. Whoa, whoa, can- oh, wait, I'm glad how, you asked. Haven't we got a Guinness World Record to tackle? I think
2: we should tackle the Guinness World Record. All basically. right, OK. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm kidding. Um, no, no, Guinness World Record, very quickly, it yep. was I hit most cricket balls consecutively in under a minute. And I've also I've also realised huh. Guinness World Records. We have so our captain of our um, of our cricket club's great guy. He decided that we were going to break like five records. And it turns out with Guinness, if you just set up, if you set it all up, this you can break. Any, there's all these random records out there that anyone can break, but no one actually has the does the time and effort to put it together. So another one we broke was longest run up. So he had his brother run <laughs> five kilometres from the other village. Um, so we all sat on the cricket pitch. You had to sit. there, had two proper umpires. Had someone from Guinness looking, and then you know everyone was in their kit waiting on the cricket field in full full whites waiting for this guy to run about half an hour mark came onto the pitch threw the ball and if it was a wide or, or a yeah, no ball back you go son <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so anyway he threw the ball it was a it was a good and that was another record so it was a it was a great day and and did you have to, yeah. to play the whole game oh yeah yeah oh yeah you had to make it all it. official it's there's, there's some there's some harsh rules to guinness they don't mess around and we were trying to think okay what's the next one we could break and we we're trying to, like the long i think it was the highest cricket ball but we couldn't figure out how to get a drone up high enough to do mm. it and then Drones in Gatwick, and we just decided it wasn't worth it. So um, yeah, we we uh, we broke a couple of records that day. But yeah, I would I would advise anyone if you've got the time in your life, do go and break some records because Guinness, as long as you set it up with Guinness, you can either pay for someone to be there, or if, as long as you give them enough notice, they'll they'll say okay, we approve this day, and you've got to film uh-huh. it and send it all back. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not as hard as it may, may look at.
0: Who selected you at the cricket Club to hit the most consecutive ball? Well, just
2: total luck, right? But I think um, yeah, I don't know why I. Was selected i don't know because i was probably the worst person to actually do that <laughs> um and i think we tried it a couple of times and it didn't work and i thought oh, if this if this next one doesn't work i'm out i'm definitely yeah, yeah, gonna yeah, be yeah. out so i think it was just blind luck
1: <laughs> how many how many and, was
2: it know, um it was about 24
1: and somebody bowling at you or no it's a like
2: shot? so you got like guys just bowling at you bowling at you bowling at you. Oh. if you miss one year that's it right at the start wow game. so yeah. it's, it's
1: real teamwork you have <laughs> to have the bowler <laughs> yeah
0: yeah
1: um and has that And
2: helped? if someone bowls it wrong it's a wide that's that's, you're out It's right, so four overs of yeah. It's just like of, exactly just a line of people throwing shit at you.
0: Um,
1: has that subsequently helped you massively?
2: I've never, oh yeah. <laughs> no, I no, not, not, hit, not being good at hitting <laughs> cricket balls.
1: I mean, in terms of just people reaching out to you, creating natural interest. No, I, I put it on. Of
2: course, I put it on LinkedIn straight away because yeah, yeah, yeah. um, it, it was a very important part of my career that I that I make sure everyone understands that. No, it's, it's, I don't think it's a bit of fun really. Yeah, um, but it's always a good talking point. Oh, we're talking I, as you can now. tell, I hate yeah. talking about it. And I never want. To, I, it. I never want to mention the it. The worst. Again. That's a great record. Let's. Never, uh, let's never speak of it again.
1: I want to do one. Uh... Potentially, um, you may have also got the most runs in one minute as well if you hit all of them. Actually, that's a good point. I should email
2: them again. Hey, there's two records. Just here. saying, <laughs> Guinness, Just...
1: Guinness World Records
2: holder. I think we'll be changing
1: that. Uh, would you? Would you have another crack at that record? Do you think you could beat it?
2: I think it's. I think it could be done. I think any. If anyone else did it, they'd probably beat it. <laughs> I, was say, I, I, quite, I quite fancy him this record. If, if anyone with two legs and two arms actually d- took it on, they'd probably beat it. Let's be yeah. fair. Okay, I'm, I'm. But for now, for this year, it's. Uh,
0: it's mine. I'm heavily satiated <laughs> with that answer, Ollie. <laughs> okay, let's let's segue um, to WageStream because that's sort of what you're here to talk about.
2: Absolutely, yes. Yeah, so, so we, so WageStream is, and just for WageStream allows any worker, a shift worker, salary to have access to their earnings in real time. With the whole pretext of, if you can give someone access to their earnings, then they don't have to, in, a, in a, within pay cycle, go into sort of overdraft or incur overdraft fees credit card debt or the worst case in our world was, was payday loan you don't have to take a payday loan if you mm. can actually access your earnings so we set up the whole store to say look we're going to kill off payday loans so mm-hmm. you know even when Wonga went under which was a great day for us we did a mock funeral procession across Manail um, Bridge which was all good fun was that last in, year yeah I yeah, got in the front of the garden times so it was quite good fun but we were absolutely and then you know when we looked at the this sort of Disrupting pay is it was it was something that was emerging out of the U.S. and Walmart had um, put together two companies in the U.S., which is like November 17, to figure out if flexible pay would drive better rates of retention and productivity with their staff. So me and my co-founder Portman looked at this and thought, "Wow, this is what a great idea!" And then looked at you know realized in the U.K. that 85 percent of people are paid monthly, whereas in the U.S. where the you know, CEO of Walt Disney or work in McDonald's, you you are paid every two weeks. That's the mm. there would be a riot mm. if they paid monthly. So then we looked at the financial stress over here and in Europe, just seems is far greater. Like payday loans are more prolific. You know, Barclays and Lords, Lloyd's, Lloyds charge more in overdraft fees last year than the entire U.S. banking infrastructure of three thousand two hundred banks. So low income workers are just unduly punished by having to wait a month.
0: Where does the month? is that a cash flow thing yeah it's absolutely
2: right so this is this is what we we thought what what the hell's going on because in the old days days work days pay good Mm. old days um, obviously even I can't remember those but the it's 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 absolutely that. It, the employers in the UK have stretched out paydays as long as possible before there's a riot, which turns out it's about 30 days um, for, for two simple reasons. The first one is they can retain the cash, big yeah. thing, and also actually running payroll is very admin intensive and costly. So every time you run payroll, you pay, right? Yeah. The, the company is a cost on the company. So the less times they have to do that, the better off they are. And they've just got away with it. That You've got, you know, there's still some companies that will pay weekly, but the markets will move to monthly now. And that whilst that benefits the employer has absolutely zero benefit to an Mm. employee and this and trying to get a low like if you're a lower income worker trying to expect them to budget effectively for 30 days. It's a pipe dream. It's a nonsense. Mm. So then you realise that actually in the system, and then financial stress isn't linear stress. It goes up exponentially at the end of the month. And that's when the Wongas of this world will, um, you know, their 5x their marketing spend in the last week of a month because they know they get better conversion. Huh. And it's just a horrible business. I'd love to, you know, really put 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 a stab into anyone that's, that's yeah. putting workforces into debt, whether it's Wongas or the salary finance of the world. How can we... How can we stop that happening now some debts good like mortgages people need the debt exists and it's not always bad but it, it you are unduly punished with a monthly pay cycle and if we can give people access to their earnings they can pull some of their earnings and not have to get into a cycle of debt caused by a by a payday loan then everyone's going to be better off
0: what were the typical interest rates for wonga
2: well th- i mean it went into thousands i mean it give you an idea if you t- the average payday loan isn't th- like the average payday loan is about 260 quid mm. and if you take a payday loan you will be paying back that as well as about 180 quid if that makes any sense yikes so you're actually taking out well over 400 you know that's yeah. the, that's the problem and if you're a lower income worker and i i'm because we sort of we're really sort of Trying to help them more than anyone else is—you get into these cycles of debt. You take out a loan to because your boiler breaks down or your car breaks down or something. There's something you have to do like an unplanned expense, and then you get into these cycles of debt. And you just can't get out of. No one, no saying, no one could get out of a thousand percent ARR system. It's just not so. And that's how they profit, it's just, I don't know, you know, regulation and is, cu- is, is starting to move a bit now in terms of, of, of ending it, but it is a horrible business. And it, there's a huge amount of people operating in that space yeah. and they should all be put out of business. And if, if we can help, a little bit help, put people out of business, all the better. We know from just our, our research, we've got about almost sort of 50,000 people now um, on the WageStream platform that, that have signed. So we know 38% of them have used WageStream instead of taking a loan. Mm. And that, for us, is great.
0: Um, so we we think that's a real win. You told a story, which to me on the train, yeah. which I'd like you to tell it again. Um, to... I remember reading a story, I want to say last
1: year. It was about this young guy who was 19 years of age and he was a delivery driver. City Sprint driver, yeah. Yeah, the City yeah. Sprint driver yeah. who, who ended up, but long and short of it is he ended up hanging himself because he couldn't get out of the, the payday loan problem that he landed himself in. And I can't remember whether he got ill or his bike broke. But it took him off work, and he had to take a loan, and then it and ended to up to buy the bike back, or to buy a new bike or fix it, and and then it ended up that he was just servicing the loan interest basically, and he couldn't get himself back on his feet, and then he hung himself. Yeah, no, it's
2: it's horrible. Yeah, well, I, I mean, obviously, his mom has been has been trying to change. So, yeah, no, he he got some parking tickets, right. um, and then you know, then he he couldn't afford to pay them, um, and they got worse. And he took out a loan, like you rightly right. said he he that's an exact example of someone getting into a cycle of debt. And it, it is very very stressful for someone if they can't understand a way to get out of that and they've got no ability to get out of that. Yeah, and he 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 commits suicide. It's a really sad story. Um, we've actually Citysprint have signed with with as well. So I'm um, hoping mm-hmm. you know when they roll that out, I think it will really benefit drivers and and any anyone on shift work um, because yeah, it's it's that is it, that is the worst example. That's the worst type of thing that can happen with financial stress. Mm-hmm. Is that is that story?
1: I yeah. you say it's, it becomes inescapable and um, for most people, I don't think they're having a conversation beforehand about the consequences of of what they're getting into it's it's a short-term solution it is really strange that our paycheck is so intimately linked to the calendar month
2: yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, it's bizarre that everyone has different paydays. I mean, the, you'll have lunar cycles, you'll have last Fridays, you'll have last days, you'll have um, Hackney Council just launched uh, WageStream today. They pay on the 15th of every month, yeah. two weeks in arrears, two weeks in advance. It's just all these bizarre things. We can't really work it out. We think when pay, your payday is dictated by when you incorporate it and people just go, okay, we'll pay a month after we incorporated. That Whenever that falls yeah. will be your payday. Um, but it is if you look at like just... Corporates, the one of the last inflexible bastions sat there is pay cycle. Right, it's totally inflexible, and there's no benefit to the employee for having for having that inflexibility. And actually, the benefits we're seeing of being flexible are huge, uh, which is really interesting. But yeah, we're, I mean, us and others, because there'll be many other companies trying to operate a similar model, are you know disrupting that and crushing a, a, a pay cycle. Because why, why should an employer hold on to your money that you've earned for a month while you are in some cases, going to horrible financial strife, um, and then we you realise that actually no one, none of us at school got taught about budgeting or financial mm. education. It's mm. not a subject. So expecting people to you know go into a job on a monthly pay cycle and be masters of budgetary is just a, a complete joke. Mm. Um, so how can we help people visibly and through open banking data and through uh, you know waste stream app to to help them financially budget for mm. in a better way? And you're a B two B product, so you're selling into companies, right? What's What's the pitch there? So we, we we see it as we are linking the two most important institutions in an employee's life, financial ones, which is their bank and their employer. Mm. So we'll go and sell into like a David Lloyd gyms, um, and they will roll our app out to their um to their to their employee base. And we there's three big reasons that, that you know they're going to do that. The first one is we say you know if if you give people this financial freedom, like this financial cushion that they can rely on in a given month, you retain more staff. And in hospitality retail businesses that you know churn through in some cases a hundred percent their staff every every twelve months retention's massive mm. for them and a huge cost saving even a ten percent increase saves them you know a big food a big restaurant chain millions. and it's money
1: that just goes to recruiters
2: exactly right um, and then the, the second one though and I think this will be the legacy of any uh, company or this whole flexible uh, pay model for any company that does it is the productivity gain that we didn't realise at the beginning but we're seeing now which is which is which is unbelievable which is if, look, if I like if my son goes and cuts a neighbor's lawn and gets 10 pounds there's a tangible link there between work and reward. Yeah. And when you go and get a proper job and grow up you get you get to these monthly pay cycles you lose that link. But wh- with WageStream we're giving that link back and it just means people do more shifts. So we're seeing like shift workers doing 25% more shifts if they're enrolled in WageStream. Because if you think about it, it makes total sense. If I work for instance at um you know a pizza restaurant today and I'm a waiter I and I get tips. I won't see my tips now to the 28th of February. And that's just a millennium away from a millennial worker sort of thing. But if I could get them straight away, then I may go, actually, I'll do another shift tomorrow. I want to do something on Sunday or something. Similar. So they, they end up just, when you create that link, people just end up being more productive. Mm. Um, we had a security company up North Key Security that he was quite clever. He just used WageStream because he couldn't fill all his overtime shifts because security is 24 hour business. And he said to his staff, look, if you do an overtime shift, you get 100% of that money through WageStream straight after the shift finishes, it's all biometric. So as soon as they put their fingerprint in, shift finish, they get access to that money. And he's now in a situation where he says, this is unbelievable. People, I've ne- all of my overtime shifts are full for the next three months. People are calling me up for more overtime. It's completely changed the behavior of his employees. And that I think is something that now we're seeing in the data is, once proved who wouldn't like why wouldn't you have this for your employees yeah Um, and the last thing is is recruitment like if you put on a job ad you pay you know you pay daily or you've got flexible income um you get 100 percent increase in job applicants i mean think about if i'm a barista and i could work at costa starbucks or or nero's and one of them pays daily guess where i'm going so it's that so there's some massive benefits for the employee to have this in terms of financial health financial stress but to reduce that but there's huge benefits for the employer and those models tend to work really well but you still you know our big issue in life is well how how can we sign up more Right, because you're still in a B two B enterprise sales cycle. Yeah. So it it, it is you know that's still a ch- anyone in fintech or, or any or any startup that is in a, in an enterprise sales cycle. Your your outstanding question at the end of every day is how can we make this move faster? Because mm. we move quick, but you know TFL doesn't. Yeah. So so how do you create the um, sort your brand, but also internally, how do you make them move? Because they can move quick, but you've just got to mm. come up with some ways to do it. We actually found that charging so we every time someone makes a wage stream withdrawal they're charged one pound 75 so it's like an atm charge mm-hmm. and that the model initially was that was there was no charge to the employer but we figured out something that is really interesting that if you you can give stuff to wait to consumers all day for free they lap it up but if you give it to enterprise they don't know what to do with free and you're actually better off charging them because not least have we got more leverage in the contract negotiation ie we'll give you 20 percent off if you sign in february mm-hmm. and there's leverage more importantly, once they've signed, if they're not paying, the the CFO will be like, Oh, let's roll that in May, no problem. If they're paying, the CFO like, I want that in tomorrow. Right. So by charging, you're actually shorten the sales cycle, you create more value for the enterprise. It's just one of those weird nuances mm. of enterprise sales. I'm sure someone will write a book about it one day, not me, but someone will.
0: So the model is a, a licence fee to the company and a transaction. Yeah, so fee. they're
2: paying a they're paying us a, a monthly SaaS fee based on a number of number of employees, typically mm. about fifty people per employee. So if you're a three thousand person organisation, you're paying about fifteen hundred quid. So it's right. not onerous. Um yep. And then every time an employee does withdraw we charge one pound 75 to to the employee to the employee yeah so you're you're essentially again that cost that covers our costs of um you know faster payment the ledgers we set up and all the banking infrastructure behind plus the fact the big thing here, which I never, I never, I never mentioned earlier on, but is we facilitate all those payments. So if that David Lloyd employee takes hundred pounds, we WageStream have paid for that. So You're That's, taking the risk. You're correct. So we've got a banking facility of 25 uh, mil that allows us to do that. So wow. and, and your original question about cash flow, that means it doesn't impact the company's cash yeah. flow. Because I think if if it did, I think we'd have a serious. I think the company would have a much bigger issue and objection to actually putting this in place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so that's a big thing. So, But I think over time at scale, we we'll look to reduce that to as as little as possible. We also know now if someone uses it more than 10 times a month, which we have seen, we don't charge them anymore. And we've also got some employers now actually saying, hey, we'll take care of the first two withdrawals a month for our staff. So mm. we're getting that because our world is now how c- we actually believe that the enterprise or corporate should pay something for the financial health of their staff. So let's try and push all the costs to them. If they're if they really seeing this productivity retention benefit, then they will pay for their staff to have better financial health because it has material gain for them. Yeah. So I think over time, we'd like to see no charge to employee, but more charge to employer. Um,
1: but that's just something that has to evolve over time. But they're spending a lot of money already on B2B wellness and mental health Correct. as well, which is, is- now somebody's got into a situation where they're potentially compromised or or it is preventative but i do think a pillar of that is the respect shown between the employer and the employee and again somebody's financial health especially in in london where it's very expensive to live is is key and feeling good about yourself as well so take take the month of christmas um if i was being paid on a two-week cycle i think december the 1st through to 14th and um, i might ring fences present buying money and then the fourteen days after that, I may say, "Well, I'm not going to go and spend as much. I've, I've hit my limit now." Whereas if you if you get your salary for a month, uh, you, you you max out for Christmas presents, and then you're struggling, right? For exactly. The next
2: two weeks to a, go, and January's uh, the most horrible because everyone gets normally gets paid before Christmas, and then you've got this six-week horrible period where there's amazing sunny weather, not and, and and just a horrible time where you don't get paid for a while. So and generally people overspend in. in, in oh, a lot December, of payday so. loans
1: taken out over the Christmas yeah, period. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is, that, is that one of the key?
2: Yeah. January is the key month for the Wongas of this world, um, mm. because this is where, in, in, in any month of the year, this is where most financial stress fa- financial stress is felt most keenly in, in, in January, because again, it's all down to the fact that you've got a six week pay cycle in some cases, because employers like to pay people before Christmas, that's a nice thing to do, but then they don't bring forward January payday, so you've got this period where it's actually quite hard. Um, so yeah, we, but it's interesting, because we, we very much focused on uh, lower income shift workers, because we just felt that was with a natural market fit for this but we get a lot of employers now like employee salaried employers u- using wage stream as well that, that aren't shift workers at all but
1: they're still you know financial health is is an issue for many many people um, but you're basically taking care of their employee satisfaction by taking the risk on fronting the cash. It's the same. You probably do. You just invoice them at the end of the month for the amount. So
2: we've got quite a clever. So we, when you enroll in WageStream, we swap your um, sort code and account number in payroll file to a WageStream ledger account. So your net pay goes through our account. Okay. But it means we can make an automatic deduction um, in a millisecond. So. And it also means we're not linked to payroll, because if you know anything about payroll, it's like nothing in payroll has changed since payroll. Mm. and And payroll people tend to be genetically modified not to change anything. so <laughs> if you if if any startup or company is trying to, do something with payroll, it's incredibly difficult. I mean, we know big retail, it was a big retail we talked to the other day, haven't changed their payroll system for 13 years. Mm-hmm. It's like, it works, don't touch it. Because the worst that could happen to payroll is people don't get paid, right? That's the worst possible thing. So if it works, people tend, it's a very slow moving industry. So we don't actually touch the payroll process. We just do that account swap. And it means that wage streaming is active as a, as a, as a tool, as a platform from the first to the 31st of every month. So you so and it's because of the last week before payday, is the most stressful mm. and if we were linked to payroll we would the payroll you know typically cuts off seven days before people actually get paid we wouldn't be able to operate in that last window which is actually the most critical window to operate in mm. so I think anyone like doing a flexible pay model that is making sure you are act you, you you your product works every day
0: is there a flip side to this where when a user an employee has more access or basically infinite access to their, their pay did they then spend more responsibly? Yeah, so, so this is a good question. So the, the overriding objection when we started from
2: employers was, wait a minute, this is too powerful. All my employees are going to go down the pub or gamble all this away. And we're like, okay, that's a very paternal attitude from from employees. But it actually, ne- nevertheless, was, was the objection. It turns out the polar opposites... The case if you give someone back their financial freedom, they actually act a lot more responsibility responsibly, and we're seeing that in increased shifts, a better understanding of where they sit in the month. Um, but we also we don't make we've also got provisions in the product. So the employer sets the the percentage they're allowed to take out. It's typically about forty percent of your earnings. Right. They also set if they want the amount of times people can use it and the monetary amount they can use each time. So. We have those controls in there. We've also got self-controls in the app so people can also have their own settings because right. we have had people yeah. ring us up and go, I can't, like, this is just too, this is too tight. Entic- I can't. So you have to make sure you're being responsible. I think with open banking coming in, we'll, we'll be able to create this, like, financial Fitbit which says, hey, we know you overspent, Because we can read your bank account, 300 pounds more than you should in christmas we've taken the liberty of booking five more shifts for you because we can see your rotor because we're connected to everyone's workforce management system why if you say yes to that you'll be in the black at the end of the month not in the red so you create this type of real-time financial health check that no one has access to right now but would be really really Mm -hmm. um helpful to someone because what mainly happens like people get paid half it goes on direct debits then they feel flush for a couple of days and then the debt cycle begins, right? And then bills come in. They put them under the carpet. We're saying, no, look, let's deal with them. Let's, you've got a bill to pay on the 23rd of the month. Let's take some of your earnings and take care of that. You know, you get you go into overdraft every, on 10 days before payday every month. We can see that in your in, from Open Banking. Let's take some of your earnings and stop you paying eight quid a day. Yeah. So you can you can actually start to try and get people in, in a better system because anyone that's incredibly wealthy that I ever speak to, they always tell me the and, and the bit. The thing they, they never remember making that extra 10 million, but they always remember when they had no longer had debt. Yeah, yeah. And now, I'm fortunate not in that situation. I've got horrible debt all over the place. But if, I, I guess you must feel so much better just from being alive to have no debt. So I don't think people really, and I didn't understand before we started Wage Dream, the burden that debt puts on people. So as wherever possible we're going to try and get people in a better situation. Because I think having no debt must be a better world.
0: So is, is that the difference between, financial wellness, as you've called it, and, and affluence. Yeah, I, 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 absolutely, I think that, you know, not carrying around
2: debt um, and, and feeling, you just makes, you know, everything in your life can become better. I think it's very much linked to financial health and mental health have a, mm-hmm. a real link, yeah. physical health. You know, if you if you are in real financial strife, you, probably your relationships suffer, absenteeism at work goes up, it's just not nice. So, and we see, and the extreme example of, of that city sprint driver mm. is, is the horrible extremes of that. But yeah, I think, um, you know, if we can put people in a better financial health and at least make it visible yeah. to people so they can make better decisions,
1: that's going to be great. Mm-hmm. I think there's something very negative about spending more than you earn, which is probably something that we've got into the West with sort of credit-driven systems. But... um there was a, a, an, a piece by James Altucher on Cora, and he said he's been a rich man and he's been a poor man, but the happiest he's been is when he was earning more than he was spending. And he said there was times where he had millions, but he'd also be spending an absolute fortune. <laughs> but he felt shit about himself because because the cycle was going down, And you just have this intense feeling of negativity that your life is eroding from underneath you simply because your cost control is is bad. And months where I cap my spend and
0: and feel good about that, it's generally a bit of a positive cascade. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And and circling back a bit, so when you had the the realisation that this was a a big issue with um, your co-founder Portman, Hmm. um, how did you then go... And actually execute it. So yeah, so we so we looked, we we thought this is we get we we immediately
2: understood that how this how this could benefit. But um, Portman is um, from the Valley. He's now relocated his whole family over here. He actually did it in summer. Thought is he, he thought, wow, this is just like California. This huh. place, it's amazing. Now he now he doesn't think that, but he's, he's too late because he's moved <laughs> it right over. Um, but he's got a great um, philosophy around uh, product build. Um, so we 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 got to market really quickly with our with our sort of MVP. Um, and obviously that over time that's just that's just we've got you know it's got stronger and stronger as a product but we we just knew like that what we have to do the first thing you have to do is just get people using it so classic with sort of startup story you know we signed the pizza restaurant below our office right because we bought 40 pizzas from them on Friday and they, hmm. they signed up and there's only about 40 staff there but just getting it into market was the main thing so we did that and started you know started evolving the product and then now it's just a question of how many more people can we get to use this and that was so we're just going through a a system of trying to sign as many people as possible and then as we've learned from our users and from the businesses with the, that are now our clients we've built more products so now we've got like save stream which means you can initiate a sidecar savings account within the app and then some of your earnings every month can go into that so and that's visible and if okay i want to go on i've got a holiday goal or whatever by july how much do i need let's make that happen for you because actually you know, 55% of UK families can't afford a £250 unplanned expense. Mm-hmm. That's how bad things are out there. So getting them in a situation where they can is a, going to be a better world. So having access to someone's pay means you can do a huge amount of good things for them financially. So we're just trying to figure out what mm-hmm. else we can do. Mm-hmm. Well, and part of that story, you got the backing of some enviable backers, I believe. We, yeah, we did through Village in um, the US. We were Bill Gates, uh, Jeff Bezos. Um, so, yeah, they, I mean, when you're in when you're starting up, the one issue you've got with any business is you're not credible, right? You've got no credibility. Well, um, you do. We've been well, well, through your stories. Maybe a little bit. Well, obviously with the Guinness World Record is a completely different yeah. world. But um, <laughs> no, the, the, you've got no credibility. So I think, you know, having them... Coming really early was was a great credibility check for us, and actually employers like that as well. As well as we've we've lucky enough to have Ascension Ventures with like Joseph Roundtree, Big Society Capital, social impact charities uh. that also have been very helpful to us. They their whole remit in life is to reduce the poverty premium, which is the extra amount a low income worker will pay, whether it's electricity, whether it's phone charges, whether it's insurance because they live in a certain area, but especially when when it comes to debt. No one wants to take out a thousand percent ARR loan, but sometimes low-income workers are forced to do that. So we report back to maybe quarter on how we've reduced poverty cycle. But their backing as well has been very helpful with what our, with our, with our mission. And when you're trying to sign up employers, they
1: like that social impact piece. Mm. And and what was the pitch into Village or who who who? So we were
2: lucky. So we um, our principal backers QED. They're the Capital One founding team. So they've been really helpful, um, not least from allowing us access to a lot of banking infrastructure, but also connection so they introduced us to village they and, and Ross there the, the what the um you know the partner is. We love him. He came in and said, "Look, I love this model. You know my LPs will love this. Let's 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 do it." So they came in early doors. Yeah, and they're still strong backers of us.
0: So it wasn't you replying
1: to Bill Gates's email. No, that you know, I, I was going to one day. I'll
2: remind him of that, and I'm sure he'll remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll remember that guy. Eerie, but,
1: eerily enough, I, I think he probably will. Yeah, I kind of yeah. feel like I, he's. They'll that,
2: probably like... levy a huge fine on me for using brand <laughs> without permission. So I think I'll leave. I'll let that one lie.
1: He, he's very pr- uh, proud of poverty alleviation. I think he. Was at the Global Goals uh, event recently and saying that 135,000 people a day were being deemed to be pulled out of poverty. So I think it's high on his agenda. No, it's massively high on
2: his agenda, and um, he does. And that's why this this type of business that we're doing is, is right up there with what he wants to do from a from a you know social impact type of, mm. type of thing. Is there any competition? There is. Yeah. There's. there's I think there's a lot of there's uh, there's incumbents now that are pivoting to do this. Um. So, but there's also that I think we know there's another six companies getting funded right now. That, that mm. so this whole and that's great, right, because actually it depends which way you look at it. Yes, competition, bad or good. But if there's multiple companies doing this, it just helps the space. I think there's enough there's there's certainly three or four businesses of merit now which have just had seriously big fundraising rounds of a million plus. So 100 million plus that will that, are, that they've made the space that is validated the space. Right. So we know this is going to be a thing. We know like streaming music or film you, in, in five years time, it will be odd if you can't just stream your income when you want. It will, the paydays will, will, will be gone. The only question is who's gonna be the market leader? Um, and that's what obviously we're trying to, we're trying to achieve. But yeah, there, there's multiple companies coming and there's a couple of others operating already. Um, and everyone's got slightly different
1: ways of looking at it, different tech. But at the end of the day, this is gonna be a thing. Do you think you can have adaptive switching? So if my um, next month is coming up and I'm looking bad within your app, and Netflix, Spotify, and all these other things are gonna come up, um, will we have a situation in the future where now you have sort of these, these monzos that bucket your spend that it can pull back on on spend on, you know, my subscription payments that I don't need, cancel them on my behalf saying that you really don't need <laughs> yeah. to spend this, you potentially really don't need to spend this money this month yeah. because it's going to be a little hard up and it can start to identify and react in that way?
2: Yeah, no, I, I think that's all that's coming, right? So just, and I think what we like is normal PFMs or, or, or someone like a Monza, the categorization is getting smarter and smarter. So you're really trying to make it visible to someone what your spend is. What I really like about WaveStream is we can make a tangible link, not just with what you spend, but what you can do about that. Yeah. Because there's no point telling me, look, if fact, get, you go to Pret too often, I know that, but <laughs> I'm going to change my routine, right? Unfortunately not, because mm. I'm probably going to go to Pret after this and eat a big something or other, right? But at the, the, the end of the day, if... If if you can make so if you can say if okay this is what you spend but if you did this this would happen yeah. and you can do that within app I think that's amazing. Um, now you and that's I think the difference we've got.
1: Well, because credit lending can be quite quite interesting. At the moment, you get lent a sum of money, but potentially it could be you're lent a sum of money that cannot be spent in buckets one, two, three, clothing, entertainment. This it's for your groceries. It's literally so you can feed yourself. This is why you're being extended this line of credit potentially at a lower percentage repayment if somebody wants to go and take on money and then spend it on shopping, that's probably their prerogative, but I don't think that's the healthiest way, Like, but people should be able to feed themselves. Yeah, absolutely,
2: absolutely. And I think that whole open banking affordability piece will be one of the big gains for consumers because you know certainly lower income workers are unfairly treated when it comes to mortgages or or loans or interest charges but if you are a worker and you have an income why is that so by exposing that data to banks they'll be able to make better decisions because right now having just gone through a process of getting another mortgage on a house it's so archaic how they Understand your affordability. It's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. So if you actually had access to a lot better data, and there's startups trying to do this now, that's going to be a better world for everyone, I think, mm-hmm. um, because you actually be able to make your, your risk profile is going to go down considerably. If someone has actually you've been employed for six years, you've always, you know, your spends fine. That's rather than oh, you're a low income worker. We're not giving you any money.
0: Mm. We're gonna have an ai version of our of our mothers yeah, sitting in whatever smart <laughs> yeah. device we're using in 10 years saying are you really gonna buy that that uh that, video game know, yeah you know, extra, <laughs> that's what she would have said honestly, to you when you were a kid honestly extra son, yeah. ripe avocado yeah. get the one and let it mature that may be a good way
2: to kill off all apps but yeah
1: <laughs> we are going to sort of do some future gazing i believe am i right um because we, we like to sort of then take this this through line and extend your, your worldview into stuff that sort of predicts the future um so, do you think there are dynamic ways in which remuneration for employees can be factored in? So, perk box being an example, where yeah. they're starting to um, add in different ways of thinking about appeasing your employee. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think in terms of what, just in terms of can that be integrated into HR platforms?
1: Just, just more more uh, roundedness to it. You know, whether it's it's. A tackling the the individual and saying what do you need what can we support right, right.
2: Yeah, you know i get you so yeah so with i mean this is something that is in our minds as opposed to in reality but with open banking we'll be able to if so if a wave stream user because we're linked to the employer with if a wave stream user initiates open banking we can read their account aggregated we can send that data back to an employer. So we could say for instance to an employer like McDonald's, "Hey, here's the financial health of your organization. Did you realize that 100, you know, 10% of your workforce can't afford a 100 pound unplanned expense?" All the way through to, hey, did you realize you give half price cinema tickets as an employee benefit? None of your staff go to cinema. They'll go to Nando's. Do you want to give them a Nando's voucher? Uh. So you'll be able to give on an aggregated basis, what we call KYE, like know your employee, the financial health and the spend patterns of your staff. And that should make the employer much better at designing benefits packages that have value to employers, employees as opposed to the generic, hey, discount coupon here or mm. or cycle to work scheme there yeah let's you know that data could be used to really help the employer go wait you know we actually if we gave them this everyone would be much happier well that's that's a better world
1: are you close to a situation where um you can attribute the financial wellness of the employees within the company to the company's productivity
2: yeah, yeah, we are. So we've we're lucky enough to um, we've got a partnership with Fourth who do like timekeeping and payroll for I think sort of Carluccio's Peter Express Burger King, they're quite dominant in hospitality. Yeah. But because of that partnership, they've got ten years worth of data with, with most major hospitality companies in the UK. So we we they're rolling WageStream out to their to their client base with great effect. So we're able to see on an individual worker basis if you are enrolled in wage stream are, wage stream are you being more productive than the ones that aren't based on not just today but 10 years worth of data we're seeing 25% increase in people's productivity it's insane to the point where people don't actually believe us when we say that so I think we need three or four more companies so we want to see that and you know publish a you know a case study on that and then I think that's that's the point where this market tips and everyone goes, we have to have this because mm-hmm. if you can get more if you if you have ten thousand plus employees and they're twenty five percent more productive is a huge gain for you as a business, especially in light of Brexit and transit workforces and less people being available,
1: these things matter. well dare I say the next question <laughs> The next question. Oh no no not, no please. I, I
0: wasn't gonna ask that. Actually. No, you weren't I was gonna ask it let's, not, gonna, do let's not, do it. not have a Brexit question. Yeah let's yeah, have a Brexit good. question. Because actually good, yeah. what yeah,
1: you've, you've you've beautifully identified which is something I'm a massive champion for is put the put the power in the hands of individual people they can manage their own lives with with better health well-being yeah. and that is enough to drive and make serious changes for for all involved I mean as you say 25 percent productivity for a
0: company is, is massive mm, huge yeah it is financial wellness the the biggest part in your view of, of employee motivation because I, I learned a bit a bit of um, GCSE Business Studies recently, um, and there's, there's- I also did that course. Yes, there's two, there's two models that they talk about. It's Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs and Herzberg's Hygiene Factors, and I can't remember the difference between the two, but they, they sort of rank in order of importance which uh, you know, aspects of people's lives is the most important for motivating? Them. Yeah,
2: no, that's, a, that's a great, great question. I'm glad that GCC course has delivered value. Um, no, no. So we, we actually, I love Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So at the bottom being food and shelter, right? Because when, yeah. when I was at Y Plan, there's, you know, no point selling an Adele ticket to someone that hasn't can't pay their rent, right? There's, there's a disconnect there. So anyone doing any social media company like the Facebooks of the world will very much focus on the egotistical side of that hierarchy. Mm. But if your base level needs aren't fulfilled, you're never going to move up we've we've actually done a maslow's hierarchy of employee benefits which was great for us but probably boring for everyone else but at the end of the day pay is absolutely a fundamental low bet you know pay and job security and and a place of work are all in the bottom rung because they're like the pillars you've got everything else you, is exactly going, right yeah. half price cinema tickets cycle to work schemes and tax credits are right up at the top so if you are delivering benefit to your staff that you want them to have a, have a material impact on their life, then go for the bottom ones, because that's where the, the real value is. And a lot of employee employer platforms or benefits platforms only focus on the top, and there is no be- massive benefit there. You're not gonna retain more staff because you've given them half-price Odeon tickets. Yeah. But if you have a flexible pay model, like Uber is seeing, because that's why they did it, for instance, there's a massive retention gain, because those are fundamental in people's lives. So do I think financial wellness is right up there as one of the most important parts? Of it.
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I, but, well, I mean, you know, my whole company's based on that, so yes, that'd be true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but we, it'd be a nice model for, for WeWork to take on board on behalf of the company. Adam
2: companies. Newman should absolutely take yeah. WayStream on. They do everything possible for staff, and we, and WayStream should be one of them. So that's it.
1: Because so there's good. a lot of emphasis around the, uh, the design and architecture of your space. Yeah. As I'm sure you've seen in Founders Factory. Mm. Yeah. Um, that people have breakout pods and all this, and it, it seems like... Almost forming like adult playgrounds, Definitely. but it does slightly veneer the 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 actual reality behind it, which is that you, you take home a paycheck. and. No,
2: absolutely no. We actually absolutely do flexible pay. They should stop giving out free biscuits. That's bad for me. But uh, keep the beer. <laughs> but do flexible pay. Which yeah. would be would be awesome.
1: Yeah. There's a topic f- um, for you. Do you think that the way we work in general is going to change? You know, is it going to be more. Um, people living remotely, working remotely, um, coming and working, co-working spaces like we work and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, for instance, okay, we're a startup. Am
2: I going to sign a five-year lease with a big London landlord? No chance. I have mm. no idea how many staff I'm going to be in 12 months' time. Whatever I've projected will, will not be true. So flexibility in many parts of the work workplace is definitely, that that is massively important. I still haven't figured out a, what's more effective than having everyone in the same room though I must say from a startup point of view you're trying to get things done for decision making of course we use Slack of course we use WhatsApp but having everyone in the same room is still fundamentally gets things done faster if I could figure out how everyone could be remote and be as effective I'd be on that all day mm. and there's always people work from home people do this and that but can it, nothing beats everyone being in the same room which is
0: annoying but true mm. I guess it so, depends on the nature of the work that you're doing but anything it, it does anything depends, team Team oriented yeah. it, it really needs a team yeah. in that. Yeah,
2: especially when you when you you know when you're in a startup, you really have no clue like what ne- next day is going to bring. You're trying to iterate all the time, build products, and decision making is important. So, yeah, I guess I guess someone will figure it out one
0: day. Yeah, I guess it's the ability to communicate. Like the difference between us all sitting in a room together better, yeah. and, and seeing each other. Like you know, it's easy to build rapport when you can see how someone's body language reacts to what you're That's saying. Right. Yeah, I guess if someone could build something like that. It's all coming. VR. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a slightly
0: more handsome, <laughs> dashing version of all of us. I'd like, well, I'd like to go to a meeting as a dragon. <laughs> for sure. You, you a, fully, a fully expressive a fully dragon. Expressive dragon.
1: dragon. <laughs> um, a play for you guys if somebody gets themselves into a, a position of financial wellness, they've been using your platform for a while and it's, it really helped them out. Do you then start to. Um, help them plan pensions do you help them the company reward them can the company say look we'll we increase your your pension contribution based on you being really responsible totally I think
2: there's there's a whole plethora of things we can do once you get into someone's understand their financial health that's why open banking is a critical component of that to understand their spend and their ability to earn, so we don't just know their spend, but we'll know their ability to earn more in the future because we've got access to their staff rota. That the connection that that gives is is huge for any type of financial product that they may want in the future, whether it's pensions, whether it's you know savings accounts, whatever it is. Just financial education that we that's what we plan to do. Um, ultimately, their net pay is going through our account. So, and any bank of, of merit needs people's pay to go through them in order to be a bank. And that's probably, as Monzo will rightly tell you in Revolut, their biggest issue is people aren't actually banking with them. They're just using them as a, they as a, as a card. Well, they, they'll they they'll get better and better. They're <laughs> moving up there, but that's their challenge as a business our challenge won't be that because we're already getting people's net pay but it, it also means you're in a powerful position to help them mm. if, if you are getting their net pay
1: how do you feel about the london fintech scene with the monzos the Revolut, starling banks i mean it's great i mean we use starling to for faster payments to provision
2: so and, uh, and rail so we that infrastructure allows us to operate so we you know anyone you know monzo Revolut. i use both those products they're great um any one trying to help people from a banking or financial point of view it's the biggest thing in people's lives their finances and can create and because of that it probably creates some of the worst stresses in people's lives so anyone that's building product that makes it easier more visible for people to in in people's financial world the better as far as i'm concerned so i think fintech here is is leaps and bounds and even bar even the big banks are in i mean barclay's doing some great stuff so i just think bring it on
1: and and you think we're we're competitive versus the states as well? I th- think
2: from a fintech point of view, absolutely. I mean, right. the, you know, you can argue all day around you know the, the startup cultures here and there, but in, in fintech circles, we're well ahead, and that's a lot of that's down to, actually to government allowing things like open banking to be part of it. Or is that Europe? We're not talking about Brexit, so that's fine. No, <laughs> <we're not. laughs> but either way, I think access to those that information has allowed a whole you know, new generation of fintech companies to do do some good. But, you know, like anything, you can do good and bad. There's more... Payday loaners out there than there ever were before. So, you know, there's there's some. Oh, there. I thought that had died. No, death. they're still there. Why is it coming if, if, you had, if you If you ever spent a day watching daytime TV, which I don't suggest you well.
1: you will see them existing. Yeah. Um, Sorry, and, and this is my ignorance. What what did happen to Wongo? Why did they fail? They, so,
2: the, this is a great story, right? So, they, and it's a great story because they did fail. So, what <laughs> they, 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 the re- if you complain to the financial ombudsman, they will levy a fine on your business of £500, pounds, regardless of who. Is right in that complaint. So, so lawyers started realising this, and and so they had a raft of people complaining about Wonga, like a and class action, like a class action, and and that therefore, and the Financial Ombudsman levied millions and millions of pounds worth of fines on Wonga, wow. and they were trading in solvent overnight. So, I still don't understand why they got that last fundraising of ten million two weeks before they went under. But that's a great example of the government being quite smart by not. You couldn't close them down through normal means, but they found a way to knock them out of business by the financial ombudsman. So we we salute the financial ombudsman. Did they close that ten million? Yeah, yeah. They so, they got funded two weeks before, and then they were out by, of business. By by who? I can't name names. Oh. <laughs> I went with oh. the investors in. It's in the press, but they're. But no, but it was in, like,
0: in private individuals. No, no, what?
2: no. It was uh, two funds, and you. Oh, right. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So they've they've got <laughs> some they've got some karma to make up for yeah. karma they've got some yeah you know you're do. never going to feel
1: good about losing your money yeah. uh, harming people <laughs> sorry and, and the people who, who still owed money to Wonga are they now um, off the yeah. off the books I so-
2: actually that's a good question I don't know if that debt's passed on to someone else or the insolvency are trying to recall that but either way as a horrible business that preyed on low income workers they're no longer and that's a good day hence the funeral procession across yes. and, and are the class action lawsuits going to go looking for yeah other I think projects? I hope so yeah I think they've, they've it definitely was a big blow anyone else in that space had to suddenly buck up their ideas a bit um, and probably not be so. So I th- a lot of this stuff was down affordability. If you don't understand someone's affordability now, and you 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 you're loading the money, you're going to be in trouble.
1: And that's good. You know what? They are such twats because they could have pivoted into your business model once they, they had could. all this they, in, all this data on the people who needed the money. They most. may
2: re-emerge, yeah, from the <laughs> from the embers. Um, but yeah, they could have done. But I'm glad they didn't. I don't think anyone any anyone called Wonga is never never gonna be able to talk about financial wellness. I don't think there's ever a world in the next decade where that's gonna be But how well were
0: they doing at one point?
2: Oh, horribly well. Yeah. I mean, they they actually had, the founder was a South African, so he had a South African call center actually call up when people were you know were getting into debt cycles he'd have South Africans call up because they were so aggressive and they sounded so aggressive. Oh. He managed to uh people paid their bills if you get done for the South so I no, will have had, your money back. Yeah, eh? yeah, exactly, yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> exactly. so he had all these techniques to you know he knew I mean it was just growing he was one of the first people to do it. So it, and it's it literally do a slider, doesn't matter how much you can afford like the no nothing about affordability, you just here's the money. So it's a very quick way for people to get access to money. I mean it just grew like a weed, went through the roof. And then you know these horrible, inter- so that, and it was an amazing business from a from a profitability point of yeah. view because they were just charging horrible rates. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, good it's to come up. It's, 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 it's Yeah, it's correct. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good riddance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's do, let's do some quick fire questions. Boom. Yeah, you're onto um, that. So we'll end with some just a couple of three, I think, quick fire questions. First is a prediction for the future.
2: My prediction is in three years' time, everyone in Britain will be able to access their earnings in real time
1: three years yeah that was so quick that was the quickest prediction we've ever heard (laughs) (laughs) I've got a prediction for you in 24 months time Ollie or I will have broken a cricketing world record yes Yes. I'll I'll invite you up where do
2: you you play it in Turville the promised land yeah Yeah. (laughs) so just up on a hill it's, it's a very village club very village as in all 60 year old spin bowlers and, Yeah, all the best yeah. that's what you want yeah. Yeah, your, exactly. your weekends cricket people literally turn up for the teas mainly <laughs> main yeah. um,
0: and what about a book recommendation
2: um, yeah I thought about that I th- I th- i love like crossing the chasm i've used that many times with in startups that philosophy around you know owning a niche and building out from there i just love that i think anyone in startups or starting a business should read that i think it's incredibly valuable and it's taught me i read it was what it's probably the only book i've ever read and actually implemented the the learnings of it and saw success from it Mm. so therefore it's a good book
0: yeah did we have someone else mention that was it giles and they had the guy who wrote it in to what three words Yes, I, I, I need to double check, yeah, but we can. Yeah, yeah, and I
2: can't actually remember the author's name, which is bad on me, but it is a great book and should be read by everyone, yeah. Brilliant.
0: And what about the best advice, either the best advice you've given or received?
2: Um, yeah, so I, I think, this, just because it's been real for me in the last 12 months, Always corp, always charge corporates money. And you will end up. That is just some, if you're not if you're trying to get them to do something, charge them money. It makes it a big difference because they don't understand. Otherwise. They don't <laughs> understand free stuff. And when someone told me that, I was like, No, that's not going to work. We'll we'll convert a lot more enterprises if we give it to them for free. Yeah. That is complete nonsense. Charge them, and you will convert your business. Will will succeed. And the CFO
1: comes down from his ivory tower yeah. and makes sure people deliver. it It's yeah.
2: just comp- it shouldn't be the case, but it is the case. And when someone told me that, I didn't believe it, but it turns out it's true.
1: And last but not least, I think, well, it's probably quite a simple question, actually. But if anybody listening to this podcast can do anything that helps you on your, your campaign crusade, um, what would that be? It would be, go and see your HR director if you work for a company and go, why are we paid monthly? Can you explain
2: that to me, please? Because it's not making any sense to me anymore.
0: That's it. Bottom-up <laughs> bottom pressure.
2: <laughs>
1: Amazing. <Yeah. laughs> Um, it's been a lot of fun
2: yeah we really like the work you're doing and it's Good. been great to talk to you now I'm going to go and find my Santander bike that someone stole yes, yesterday yes, and, yeah. and then en- cycle it to Pret yeah cycle it to Pret <laughs> well, I will increase my categorization spend with Monzo today awesome. thank
0: you so much for coming thanks, thanks cheers so much, guys cheers Peter <T3> sure. if you enjoyed this or any of our other conversations we'd love to get your feedback our twitter handle is at the startup mic mic or get us an email ollyred at startupmicrodose.com if you're feeling particularly generous of spirit, a review on iTunes would go a long way to ensuring that we can continue to bring you these conversations.
1: Finally, this recording could not have happened without the support of Founders Factory back to Entail. Their podcasting software and studio in the Daily Mail building, London, are, as ever, the unassuming stars of our show. Check out Entel.co, And thank you for listening. Goodbye.